Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Android Faithful, your weekly source for the latest news, hardware, and apps in the world of Android. I'm Huynh Duet Dao. And I'm Ron Richards. And I'm Michelle Ramon. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Good to see you in another week. Hey. Good to be on another week. Yep. And 18, my lucky number. Yep, and no, episode number 18, and we're super excited to have a uh, new guest to welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, on, Miriam. Welcome, Miriam. Hi. Hey, Miriam. Hi. Thanks for having me, folks. I'm excited about this one. Yes, your first appearance on the new Android Faithful after uh, the Ooh. new podcast. We're welcome. You know, you were you were kind enough to have me on your podcast a couple weeks ago, so I want to return the favor for sure. Um, Thanks. So welcome, welcome. And for those who might not know who you are, where where are you from, Miriam? <laughs> oh, it's complicated, but um, I'm mostly in San Francisco and in Vancouver, Canada, and uh, I'm a longtime tech journalist and pundit and uh, generally very cranky about everything, but I cover I cover mobile and uh, everything around mobile and mobility, too, like EVs and stuff, so yeah. yeah. Check out my podcast sometime. We'll we, talk about that later. We've been podcasting for many, many years together, and I'm glad. I know. I'm glad. All about Android, yeah. a bunch of other stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm glad to have you on the new show. That's awesome. So, Thank you. Um, cool. Welcome. Well, before we get into the news, real quickly, want to do a quick update uh, on our Patreon. Uh, we wanted to thank everybody who's supporting us over at patreon.com slash androidfaithful, and we did want to let everyone know that we have a new perk that we've added at at the base level 
uh, $5 a month or you can go $10 or 20 bucks a month, no matter what. Uh, we're going to start giving shout outs to you, the patrons. Uh, we realize that, that we, that there's so many of you and you're so awesome. So we wanted to thank each one of you on each episode. So listen in a little bit when we get to the patron news story, our first shout out will occur. Um, and you, if you want to get a shout out on the show, you can go to patreon.com slash Android faithful. Um, but with that, we can get right into it. Um, and very excited whenever we have numbers to talk about. Um, but the numbers are interesting this time around. Um, basically, uh, as we look at sales numbers in Q3 2023, comparing them to Q3 2022, we see that Samsung, Google, TCL all had declines in smartphones shipped in the United States uh, year over year. Um, basically, uh, and Apple was also in there with a, with a modest loss, as they say here on Android authority. Um, and the, uh, really the only people who had wins were Motorola and HMD global who shipped more phones, um, uh, during that time. So what do, what do we think of this? I mean, Miriam, you're covering this stuff all the time, you know, like, you know, like our, are are the newest flagship phones just lasting longer or is it an effect of inflation and people have less money to spend like what what do you think here all of this and if you look at the um you know look at the the brands there moto and and uh nokia or hmd, HMD yeah they make mid-range and budget phones right? right so this is not north america we're looking at there i think this is us if we are looking if we're looking at north america it's basically the prepaid carriers that are making that happen and if we're not looking at north america it's latin america and other markets right yep but here's the thing you said it's us so i think it's definitely the the you know the prepaid the thing is this right like look most big phone makers now are what four years of updates maybe up to seven years in some cases and then you know, five years of security. This is good. This is good for everyone. But look, the reality is this. I'm lazy. I'm selling a Pixel 6 Pro, yet I have a 7 Pro in my bag and an 8 Pro that I'm about to set up and finally replace my 6 Pro with. Why? Because I, I don't want to change. I get a phone a week or so and I don't have time to change my SIM and everything, all my apps, all my banking, all my Tesla and everything else. Like, yep. so, you know, even I feel like I'm perfectly happy with a two-year-old phone, right? So, the reality is, I think a lot of people are in that boat. And then you're right, inflation, like it's really expensive. Like, you know, we're all super into new phones here and I don't want anybody to stop, you know, enjoying their new phones. Like I'm loving the open, for example, you know, but at the same time, it's like, it's it's pretty reasonable to expect for people to keep a phone two to three years now, especially with these updates, especially since things are kind of not really evolving too much. I think cameras are still really evolving fast, but the rest of it, you know, like every phone has stereo speakers. Every phone has a beautiful AMOLED variable, you know, refresh rate display. Every, well, maybe not the iPhone 15, (laughs) 60 Hertz. (laughs) But I mean, you know what I'm saying, right? Like, I think that the baseline, like even the battery on my 6 Pro is still holding up. Uh, after two years and lots of wireless charging that heats up it's a little slower it's a little warm you know i'm ready to go to the 8 pro and i'm about to do it like in the next couple of days before mediatek summit is my goal but the point is you know i didn't switch to 7 pro simply because i didn't have time i wanted to but and then you know here we are a year later and i didn't do it right so i used it i took tons of photos with it i had it in my bag all the time for all my product photography yeah. so i think that's what we're seeing here yeah, no, I I, def, I I agree. I mean, Michelle, what, what's your take on this? I mean, yeah, I, I definitely think the number one factor is just the economy. Yeah. Like, that's that's the reason why everything. It's not just phones that are declining in sales. It's also laptops, tablets, and all these other things that 
were kind of uh, on the upward trend during COVID because everyone had a lot of money to spend and they're staying home and not you know spending money on on travel and on all the other expenses. But now that the economy is kind of you know in in this odd state where a lot of some people are doing well, a lot of people are not doing well. So much high inflation. People just are not spending as much money as they used to on things they don't really need, which is upgrading their phone. Is it fair to expect maybe a Q4 bump? I mean, I I don't think that much, not much is going to change between now and Christmas. If anything else, it'll make Christmas, well, you know, the holiday season harder. But is is there usually a bump around Q4? The, cha- the challenge with that, I think there is a bump around Q4 with holidays and things like that. But the challenge also with these quarter, year over year quarterly looks is that you need to account for the release schedules, right? Mm-hmm. Because what happens mm-hmm. is that a new phone comes out and you see a huge surge in in you know people buying to get that new phone and stuff like that and sometimes those numbers don't get reflected until Q4 if they come out in the fall you know like and, and so like Q3 is normally summer it's a quiet time for phone releases you know like we saw we've seen Google Google had a, a pickup in Q2 this year because of the Pixel Fold because they released the phone in the spring right and so it depends on on that too there's all these different kind of variables it's it's fa- numbers are always fascinating but speaking of numbers we have an additional bit of numbers um, in that uh, that you know, the, a I love it when a new entry get uh, not a, a new a new player enters the arena. Um, but the, <laughs> uh, the 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 Chinese company Transition, which uh, is the holding company behind brands like um, Infinix, Itel, and a fo- uh, phones that we've been talking a lot about here on the show recently, Techno. Right? Remember when we saw those foldables and things yeah, like that Techno. from Techno? Um, Super foldable. Yeah. They've quietly grown and actually um, uh, in worldwide shipments taken over. Vivo um, uh, and are becoming a player. And honestly, if you and looking at this chart and this and, and um, this from Canalis uh, chart that shows uh, shipments from Q1 2021 to Q3 2023, you see transition, you know, plugging along there at the bottom and then shooting up in Q2 and Q3 Q3 2023, being competitive with Oppo. Or Oppo, right? Like, you know, which is, you know, not easy. You know, like that's that's a that's a pretty nice big spike from five to close to ten percent of uh, the market share. Um, Miriam, do you have any? Uh, have you played with any transition phones, techno techno? Yeah, phones so I've got a whole bunch of Infinix and techno phones. They keep sending them to me, and I love them. They're they're the software is the only thing that's kind of wonky, right? It's like seeing Chinese phones from five years ago. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Like it's only going to get better, but the the hardware is really great. And of course, there's issues with bands in North America because their primary markets are like Africa and Middle East and Eastern Europe and like India and stuff. But look, I think they're 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 getting certainly better. I've been following them for about three, four years now, like for a while. Yep. And like in the early days, it was like all these mid-range, you know, uh, Helio-based 4G phones, like that. And then they started adding OLED and they started adding 5G and they started adding better cameras and OIS and stuff and, and wireless charging and crazy. Some The highest charge, the fastest charging phone in the world is, a, I think, a Techno at 260 watt, right? Yep. Like, so my point is they're doing some cool stuff. The software... It's very, you know, you're not going to get updates. You're not going to get, you know, security updates. You're going to get some mistranslations. Think about, you know, what China was like in the early days, basically. And think think about even like what Red Magic is like today. Yeah. That's a brand you can buy here that's supported here, that makes some great gaming phones. And still, there's always mistranslations. There's always weird stuff in the software. I'm sure Michelle could go on about this. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I've never personally, I haven't used any transition phones um, from any of their sub-brands. But uh, yeah, in general, there's a lot of 
quirks with the software that you got to get used to if you're using something that's you know from OnePlus, Oppo, or many of the other Chinese brands. I would love to get my hands on one of those technos, like uh, the, some, some of the, right? When like the, like we both yeah. of us were like, "Ooh, these look really cool." So yeah, we'll have to chase chase those down. But all right, um, all right. So enough numbers. Uh, we got some meat to talk about uh, back Ooh. in the course, right? Uh, right, Michelle. <laughs> yeah. So today is actually the second day of the big Epic v Google trial, um, which is you know Epic is suing Google over alleged anti-competitive practices. And they're trying to get Google to open up the Play Store for alternative payment processing and also open up Android for um, alternative app stores um, for, to reduce Google's um, deal-making that they've been doing with other OEMs. So uh, this trial, uh, Sean Hollister at The Verge has been doing a great job keeping up with the trial and reporting on it from the actual, you know, the actual trial day. And one of the big differences uh, that you should note about this trial versus the Epic v. Apple trial is that the Epic v. Google trial is being decided by a jury, whereas the Epic v. Apple trial was decided by a judge. So um, we don't know exactly how that'll play out. That could make a significant difference in how it's decided. But again, this is only day two of the trial. There hasn't been any outcome yet. But uh, there's been a lot of arguments being flung around on both sides about you know whether or not Epic is the bad guy or Google is the bad guy. So let's start with a couple of things that Epic has been saying. So Epic has been saying that Google Play Store in the year 2020 accounted for 90% of all app installs on Android devices. And Epic says that um, even though uh, Google says that Samsung's app store is installed on 60% of all phones, um, it still only represents a tiny sliver of the overall app installs from app stores. And uh, Google says this is because users are just choosing not to use Samsung's Galaxy Store. And that this is proof that, you know, there are there are alternatives to the Google Play Store on Android devices, but just users choosing to use our store over another's. Um, Epic is also arguing that Google makes it way too difficult to sideload apps. They showed off this screen where they had the 16-step process to sideload an app. Um, and I do want to note, though, that a lot of these steps are kind of self-inflicted because Epic is first asking you to install the Epic Game Store app, and then that is asking you to sideload the Fortnite app. And then also they showed off one screen where you have to ins- grant a bunch of permissions to Fortnite before you can install it. And that's also the fault of Epic because that's only because they're targeting an older Android version. So it kind of feels like they're inflating the number of steps required to sideload an app. I mean, it is true. You do have to like of, go through a bunch of well, permissions. Of, of course, they are. It, it it behooves. I mean, much like much, gonna... much like the much like the Google antitrust case that's happening right now, where the they're, the the process the prosecution where the other side is trying to show how hard it is to change your default search engine on phones. Right? They're going to make it yeah. show the the path of most resistance to prove the point. Yeah. Right? So absolutely. Yeah. So a couple other things they brought up. They brought up this um, project hug, which in which Google allegedly made deals with multiple game developers to secure them from leaving Google Play. Um, this supposedly involved deal-making, like offering incentives or potentially financial incentives to several top game makers like Activision Blizzard or Riot Games. And uh, you know the allegation is that Google was scared of a contagion effect of top game developers leaving the market, although it's debatable whether or not how serious some of them actually were in going through with this. And then finally, Epic argued that Google's anti-steering provision is anti-competitive. The anti-steering being that um, Google basically says, um, if you're distributing your app on Google Play, you can't mention or link to alternative payment processes, alter- alternative payment methods on your website or like in emails and things like that. And this is actually one thing that 
this is the only thing that Epic won when they sued Apple on. The judge in that case ruled that uh, Apple's anti-steering provision was struck down, uh, but although that decision is being put on hold. So um, whether or not Epic actually has a chance of winning this case is kind of you know up, up in the air because they lost most of what they sued Apple over, and their case against Google is even shakier considering Google does allow you to sideload apps. There are alternative app stores available on Android, and of course, Google had some of his own arguments to share. Um, they argue that sideloading is for security because you know a lot of malware is distributed via sideloading. They argue that their anti-fragmentation agreement is necessary because uh, if you don't, if you allow OEMs to fork Android and make whatever modifications they want, then there's no guarantee that developers who are making apps can have their apps run the same on all Android devices. Uh, they also argue that their um, revenue sharing fee is a market fee and not a monopoly fee. And that other uh, payment providers like sorry, other platforms like Nintendo, Xbox, Steam, etc. charge the same. And that they're not like PayPal or Stripe because they do more than just process payments. They also help the users discover apps, um, spend money on them and deliver the downloads. They also provide tools, um, assistance to users and all these other things. So they're basically saying uh, this 30% is justifiable because you're getting more than just payment processing. And also, most developers don't even pay 30% because most developers earn under a million dollars in revenue. And for those developers, they only have to pay 15%. Uh, and then there was a, a lot of other well, arguments that Google was making in their defense you know, against Epic. I, and, I, uh, I will say, I want to add in, because we're looking at here for on our video viewers, we, we see their Google's like closest to official statement about this, You know, kind of where their VP of Government Affairs and Public yeah. Policy you know, has a whole piece about maintaining choice and opportunity on Android and Google Play. And they outline all those bullet points, Michelle, that you mentioned. But of course, of course, they end with, this lawsuit risks making Android less safe, right? Which is, all, which I feel like is always their defense of anything that's questioning what they're doing because they're, and, and maybe they're right. I mean, like, they're, they're, you know, they're, if they're elevating the users and the safety of the platform above all, but at what cost and how far is too far and all that sort of stuff. That, that, a lot of interesting questions, right? So. Yeah, yeah. The, the question is all, like, there's a lot of in- question about intent and intentions, because Epic is really trying to hammer in that, you know, Google is saying this in public, but in private, they have all these communications that are being hidden or censored, and whether or not that will actually fly, whether or not that actually makes a difference. And to the end user, it is good for the user to go through one single payment provider and uh, one single app store. A lot of users like, like, the, you see the same thing with the Apple side. A lot of users actually like having to go through the app store and having that payment provider as a single, you know, Apple payments and everything. A lot of users like having that option, um, just having to do that. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see whether or not the the jury agrees with Epic or Google in this case. Although it seems like, uh, you know, based on their failure in the Apple case, they probably have a tough uphill battle to climb. Right. But at the same time, you've got an antitrust case happening that I got to imagine juries are aware of, or at least it's hard to find a jury that isn't, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's just an interesting time for these lawsuits for Google. I don't know where, you know, we'll we're two days in, right? So we have no idea how it's going to go or whatnot, but <laughs> it's a lot. I don't know. Yeah. When? We'll see. I, I I have to admit, I rolled my eyes a little bit reading the official statement a little bit. I <laughs> uh, just rolled my eyes a little bit. Um, but I mean, I guess we'll see. I, 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 we'll see. Sorry. It's just, it's a lot. <laughs> it's just really interesting to have two weeks in a row having all of these cases kind of come to bear and having to kind of seeing on how many different friends Google can say, no, really, we're not evil. We swear, you know, and I guess, again, it, 
It's interesting. I did roll my eyes a little bit. All due respect. That's kind of opposite to what I'm saying, but <laughs> yeah. I, I had in not great feelings reading that statement. Yeah, but Miriam, you lit up when Wynn said she rolled her eyes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the whole thing is just a load of BS, you know? I mean, I Thank just you. look like, I, I understand, like, okay, look, Google is evil. We know that. I mean, they're not you know nobody is really i don't think epic is much better honestly i, I think just, i think the use of the, the use of the word evil is subjective because i think yeah. i think google is google We're is talking about businesses that want that and right. epic games right i'm, saying, like, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying like yeah. evil per se i'm just yeah. saying like it's capitalism guys exactly okay? yes. Yes. like, like and that's why I th- it's, it's a non-issue like i'm actually rooting for the user and the average user doesn't want to deal with side loading i'm sorry okay True. like yep. i'll yeah. do it you all will do it yep. but like like the people listening here all going to do it yeah. but like should the average person do that the friction is uns- insane and and you know yeah you know like the whole i get it like apple's making a cut google's making a cut all this but that's that's why they're upset epic because they don't want them they don't want to pay the cut well guess what yeah. you know what that's a tax that's yep. a tax the tax of doing business with the big boys okay you're not the big boy epic right. you know compared to those guys right and I, I don't know. I, I look whatever gets uh, comes out of this. I, I don't think it's gonna. As long as it benefits the end user, I'm happy. You know yep. that's all. Yep. And right now, on Google doesn't matter anyway. I mean, I hope they don't take it out of the Play Store because I'd be stupid. But I'm hoping that uh, you know, for Apple, it's a big deal because I'm more worried about the EU coming along and saying you have to let people sideload on on iOS. Yeah. And then what? <laughs> and then what kind of disaster do we get after that? Because you know. Who's gonna? Who are the who are the hackers gonna target? Yeah. Not the Android users, right? That's true. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think just having this starting out with a singular, you know, everyone has access to this singular app store is really good for the user because if you see this alternative situation, like when Microsoft tried and they're still trying to get people to use the Microsoft the Windows App Store, but very few popular apps are actually distributed and you download it through the Microsoft App Store. So you see now everyone's just downloading executables from the internet from different websites and occasionally getting tricked into installing the wrong executable from the wrong yeah. website and so you know it is better for the user for the average user to have access to this one app store they can get uh, all their apps from yeah so all right well we'll be monitoring it we'll see how it goes uh we wish everyone luck in the trial <laughs> I don't know. the jury i feel bad for the jury the lawyer's job now is to simplify this and make a jury understand exactly what's happening in very technical very economic yeah. very like all this sort of stuff it's it's i mean it would be amazing it would be fascinating to be a jury on that trial but it would be exhausting so but well with yeah um, I'm sorry but we've got a little more corporate tea before we do some more fun stuff and i push for this and Talking about the kind of difference between the front that a company puts and then their actual business directions. So it came out in a November 1st article in Bloomberg that Apple had actually pretty much come very close to completing an Apple Watch Apple Watch compatibility with Android. This was called Project Fennel. And, you know, the article itself was basically about Apple's healthcare mission, which, you know... Uh, I'm not an Apple Watch user, but I know many, many very happy ones. And yeah, you know, healthcare life quality is a big is a big issue a big kind of uh, driver right now in like the mobile space and so of course you know apple's kind of in this article talking about all their big ideas and it's just kind of funny that yeah like they, they project fennel this project to make the apple watch compatible with android was basically about bringing their you know health device to mark you know places where they have very little market share but guess what they killed it because you know what 
according to the source that spoke to Mark Gurman and Drake Bennett for this Bloomberg article, quote, if you gave up the watch to Android, you dilute the value of the watch to the iPhone. And basically the iPhone just drives, uh, sorry, the opposite, the Apple watch drives iPhone sales. And I included this, I, I really pushed for this because number one, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's so funny because right now in Android, you know, we're still kind of trying to find that all the manufacturers and OEMs are trying to find their Apple Watch moment, their, their one thing that will just cement wearables in the Android space and they just can't keep up with Apple Watch. And I personally know many really good, passionate Android devs who are using iPhones, quote, because of the watch. Literally every single one of my friends that are, an iOS user and an Android dev set because of the watch. So I just think this is interesting. And, you know, I, I just think it's also funny that they're all in on this like health mission, but you know, for the business, we'll just, we'll just keep the Apple watch themselves. So anyway, I just want to include it to mention it. Cause I think it's funny and no hate to my, and to my Android fam that use, use it because of watch. I get it. I get it. We're still working on it over here. <laughs> Miriam, what, what do you so. think of the Apple watch? <laughs> I love it. I yeah. think it's the best wearable. You yeah. know, I worked for Pebble and I think it's the best wearable and I don't have one because I'm an Android user. Yep. It, it's, Look, it's smart to I, keep it to Would I want one? If anything, I'd love an Apple Watch Ultra. I really love how, I like big watches. Right now I've got a Galaxy uh, Watch 6 Classic, the one with the uh, rotating bezel. And uh, it's about the right size for my wrist. You know, that's why I wear it. And also it's probably one of the best along with the Pixel Watch 2 and, you know, the Apple Watch. I think there was a time, and there is a time in a way today, where, you know, you can install Apple Music on an Android phone. So, you know, why is that? Like, that's weird to me, right? Like, honestly, it really is weird to me. Because, like... Where's the line? Music is a universal thing. If you have potentially, arguably, the best music service, I'm a YouTube music user, but every time I use Apple Music, it's a really great experience. The UI is way better, in my opinion. I mean, if you look at Apple Music versus even Spotify, like I think it's could be considered the leader. And at the same time, it's available on Android. So it's weird to me that they're like making some exceptions, but not all of, you know, they stopped making iTunes or whatever. I guess it's called music on the Mac. Now I'm sitting in front of a Mac. You'd think I would know, <laughs> um, um, you know, on, on, uh, you know, they did iTunes for, for Windows for a while. You know, for me, that was a gateway drug to getting an iPod actually, right? right. In, in 2001, 100%. back in the day. Um, but look, I... In an ideal world, yes, I want that. In an ideal world, I also want iMessages for Android. In an ideal world, I want Apple to adopt RCS. Um, yeah. In an ideal world, there are many things I want. <laughs> I want a unicorn. I want a dinosaur. Yay! But look, the, the, the reality is this. is I, We all have an iPhone. I mean, maybe not all of you here, but a lot of people here, I bet, have an iPhone. I keep an iPhone around. I just bought a 15 Pro Max because uh, I was on an 11. And that's how long, uh, four years on an iPhone. And I only use it for video recording. And I wanted to play with the camera. And because I live in Canada part-time, I could get one of the SIM tray. Oh, yeah. So I got one. And, uh, you know, I always have one to try stuff out. And also, I'm a Mac user, so it's nice to have the integration. Will it be my daily driver? Never. (laughs) But... I could buy an Apple Watch if I carry the iPhone around all the time, but nah, I would rather carry two Android phones, honestly. <laughs> so I don't think I'm going to buy one. But it's definitely a, it's definitely something. I I get why they didn't do it in the end. This is a major. This is a major kind of like, you know, fly trap for for you know for Apple, yeah. right? Yep. It's definitely yeah. I mean, it's it, it, the line of where 
they will play nice and won't play nice. And again, going back to Google and being evil and that, it's all driven by shareholder value and, and capitalism and all that fun hey, stuff. Don't worry, it, Apple is evil too. Everybody's yeah, evil. Yeah. It, it's so funny because, I mean, last week we were talking about the billions of dollar deals that they have between Apple and Google for the default search. But then here they're like, you know, we're not friends, but over here we're kind of buddies. And then, yeah, but we want our own like proprietary app stores. And, we're, you know, it's just, it's very, it's very funny. Yep. For sure. These are big companies with many different teams and divisions True. working on Left them hand, with right potentially hand. different priorities, you yeah. know. So, all right, cool. Well, that's going to wrap up the news, but we've got one more news story to talk about. The aforementioned that we mentioned at the top of the show every way, every week, our patrons over on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Android Faithful um, can vote for a story for us to talk about each week. And I'm, I was laughing all day as I was watching the votes come in um, because uh, – the low I'll do it from bottom up are uh, the lowest vote getter was the Samsung S24 targets Apple with AI that got 16% of the vote. Uh, th- second uh, with 33% of the vote was pixel eight users reporting poor battery life. But the number one story this week with 51% of the vote is uh, all about how, <laughs> how uh, the pixel weather app is driven by AI um, mm. and it, with an in-depth report on MetNet 3 that powers Google's 12-hour forecast in the new Pixel Weather app. And I got to tell you, I love the Android community, especially our Android community's interest in the Weather app. Um, it, whenever weather comes up, it's the winner. Um, weather, weather's where it's at. Uh, but yeah, but if you're interested in this, 9to5Google has a great breakdown of uh, where going actually where Google uh, broke down and introduced to the world through their, through their research blog, MetNet 3, which is the state of the art neural weather model that they're using in uh, Google's weather products. And that is what is driving the when it's going to rain, the forecasting, all the stuff in the new app. Um, and it's all driven by machine learning and AI, right? That's the whole thing. Um, it says, you know, some uh, some data sources such as weather observations and radar have characteristics similar to a continuous stream of data, while others such as NWP assimilations are similar to batches of data. The system is able to align all of these data sources spatially and temporarily allowing the model to create an updated understanding for the next 12 hours of precipitation at a very high cadence. Um, so the this functionality in Nowcast is available in the U.S. as well as uh, 27 countries in Europe. Um, and basically, Google is very they're very hyped on MetNet three. They say it has the potential to create new possibilities for weather forecasting and to prove the safety and efficiency of many activities such as transportation, agriculture, and energy production. Um, so if you were curious at uh, how Google knows it's going to rain, it's MetNet three. Um, that's for sure. Um, which is just too funny, but I don't know. I, I like the new weather app. What I mean, I, 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 I don't know if you guys had a chance to play with it or not. I think it's great. I love the Nowcast feature. So, yeah, I've seen it a few times, yeah. and uh, yeah. So, uh, do we need to add is weather is weather widgets on our Android faithful drinking game? Because I think it I think is. just weather apps in general. Weather yeah, apps, weather, apps weather. weather widgets, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, but, nice. um, speaking of apps, it's not even technically an app. It's still built into the Google yeah. app. Yes. And you still have to like search for weather, then add it as a home screen shortcut. I still don't know why Google hasn't released an app on Google Play that's just a shortcut to it, like they did with podcasts yep. and Assistant and Lens. Like I would really like for them to add that so people can just search for weather and get it right there and just open it all the time. I will yeah. say while we're complaining, I have been very frustrated with the with the with the new with Android 14 because they've combined it up here in the little top widget your calendar and weather and the tap space to get to weather 
is yes. micro, right? I end up on the calendar app more often than the weather, right? And that's actually against material design guidelines, by yep. the way. You need 48 density independent pixels for each touch target. So I don't know. Somebody file you, a ticket somewhere. There it is. Have we considered it's just a single touch touch target and AIs deciding whether you should be? Yeah, whether I should be my calendar or yeah. app. <laughs> what will irritate my user most point. right now? The, a- the AI definitely knows better, especially when it comes to weather. Um, but excellent. So that was the uh, patron pick. And we want to give a shout out to Bob Coburn. Bob Coborn, who has been a, uh, uh, a, a loyal listener for the past four months, and we want to thank Bob for his support. Thank so you, thank Bob. you, Bob. You're the best. Um, thanks for supporting Android Faithful. Um, and with that... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. At, uh, we're going to get into some hardware because we got a lot of hardware to talk about. Um, and first up is uh, we've been very bullish on the OnePlus Open. Right, OnePlus Open is very it's cool. The best. Um, but uh, it was revealed. Uh, it was revealed uh, last week that uh, the whole Open Canvas system, the multitasking system, uh, OnePlus is promising that it's going to come to the OnePlus Pad. Uh, so those of us who've been using the the OnePlus Open and the Open Canvas system for multitasking, if you're planning on getting the OnePlus Pad you will also be able to use open canvas which is great news because and also not surprising because if they've come up with a uh, this should be the way multitasking is handled on OnePlus phone on OnePlus devices it makes sense for them to bring it to the tablet um but they did a uh, AMA on Reddit uh where they confirmed that they are working on bringing open canvas to the OnePlus uh pad um so no no word on when that's going to happen um but it was confirmed on their side so Miriam uh, both Michelle and I had the pleasure of seeing you at the OnePlus event in New York a couple of weeks ago. I was mad. 
Don't you remember? Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's been a couple of weeks. Embargoes are lifted. Very curious what you think of the uh, of the uh, of the OnePlus Open. I know you reviewed it on your podcast recently. Yeah, and um, also my review on Hot Hardware. If yeah. you want to go to hothardware.com, you can watch um, the video there and the um, and the actual. 3,000-word review, guys. Because, you know, I had words to say. Look, I love it. I love it. I love it. And I was mad because the lack of wireless charging. I'm still mad because the lack of wireless charging. But I've been able to excuse it because this phone is so good. I think it's definitely up there in my top five of 2023. And it's, for me, opened the, the, the floodgates to I want a book-style folding phone in my life. Yep. It's the first one. And I tell you what, like I've got them all like, you know, that's a big step. I've got the Pixel Fold. I've got the Z Fold 5. I've had the previous Z Folds. I've had some of the Chinese ones. And this is it. This is sticking like glue for me. And uh, that's a that's a tall order for a OnePlus phone. I mean, I love me a OnePlus, you know, I'm an underdog lover. You know that. And I've always been a big fan of OnePlus, but I've only daily driven a OnePlus 8 Pro once before because it was the first with wireless charging and I need my wireless charging but this one's coming very close I I definitely have it as a second phone in my pocket all the time and I'm using it as a way to be more productive especially on airplanes and stuff I travel so much and you know I'm a big person and yes I get upgraded a lot because I got status and stuff so I travel business a lot but sometimes I'm stuck in economy still and I even my 13-inch MacBook Air is just not going to cut it on that tray table. And I don't want to carry an extra tablet and then have to worry about, is it charged? Do I have my content on there? No. I just pull out the open and I'm happy as a clam. So I think it's the multitasking that does it for me. I think it's also the fact that the display has a bit of an anti-glare coating. I think it's the form factor when shut. You know, it just feels like a small flagship. Um, I think it's a, the camera is the first OnePlus camera where I feel like I'm not losing out. Like, you know, and it's come close a few times, but it's really good. It's it's up there. Like, it's not quite Pixel 8 Pro. It's not quite, um, you know, Galaxy S23 Ultra. It's not quite iPhone 15 Pro Max, but it's damn close. Yeah. And, you know, you can't say that about Moto, for example, right? And 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 they're the only other kind of player we have other than Google, Samsung, Apple, and OnePlus in this part of the world, unfortunately. Now, there are a lot of Chinese folding phones that I love and I've used. You know, some of them are super thin and light, like the Magic uh, V2 from uh, from Honor. And you know, Xiaomi makes some good stuff. Uh, Oppo, of course. You know, they're essentially, this is an Oppo, right? This is the Oppo yep. Find N3. It's in the case, guys, because I don't trust myself enough. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but here, here's the thing, right? Like, I I think they nailed it. And I think that it's a small price between not have a wireless charging. If you look at how thick the camera pod is, it's kind of like, where do you put it to charge it wirelessly? Like, maybe on a charger that's like this, and you put the phone down like that, you know, that yep. might work, like if it coils down there. I definitely want them to resolve this somehow in the next generation. But right now, I think that, you know, if you're looking for a folding phone and you want something a little different, the Pixel Fold is great, but it's G2. G2 sucks. And it's it's heavy, heavy, really heavy. And I love the passport form factor, though, and I, the cameras are great. Um, but then there is Pixel. I've never liked the folds from from, from Galaxy, from, from Samsung. Yep. Like they're tall and skinny and thick and and 
unwieldy. I just want to throw them against the wall every time I have one in my hand. It's like, get we, out of here. We talked we talk, we talk a lot about how the Samsung Fold and the Pixel Fold were like too small, too fat, and like the OnePlus Open feels just right in terms of it's the size. Like, you know, like, yeah. I know. It's, it's like an aspect radio slider, yeah. and the fold is on this side, and the pixel fold, and then OnePlus just like zip right in the middle. Yep. Yeah. Oh. And then the software doesn't suck. It's all speedy. You got a great chipset there. You can't go wrong with that. Lots of storage and RAM too. Like no no skimping. I don't understand. Like, look, I love me some. I love me some reviews out there that are critical. And, you know, I, I've seen some critical OnePlus Open reviews. I'm not going to name names, but, you know, big publications. Yep. And, you know, from writers that I trust and like and am friends with, and I'm like, what kind of pill did you have before you wrote this review? <laughs> because I'm like, you know, you look at the fact that this is essentially a $14.99 phone. Like, all day, as we were joking around at the event, you can light a phone on fire and send it in and get $200, okay? Right. So, like, you got to get your $200 off. And on top of that, you're getting, you know, 16 gigs and, what, 512 gigs, you yep. know, storage and RAM. And you're getting, you know, basically a really great phone all around. It's like, how is that not a good thing? Yep. Like, I, I, I don't know. I want to encourage people to buy something else than a Samsung or an iPhone. So there you go. That's your solution right there. All right. I could go on. Cool. Well, speaking of Samsung, we got uh, we got some insight into them, right, Wen? Yeah, we do, actually. So we kind of had a very interesting up and down few years with Exynos and Snapdragon. So, of course, uh, in the Samsung S22 series, as Many Android faithful are familiar. Samsung would split processor duties between their in-house Exynos chips and the Snapdragon or the Qualcomm Snapdragons. Uh, the last time that happened was the S22 with their in-house Exynos 2200 chips and the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 being in your S22, depending on your region. You know, like the, like us folks in the Americas had, I think they had the Snapdragon and mostly Europe and parts of Asia and Africa got the Exynos Exynos, sorry, I had this problem last time we talked about Exynos a lot. Um, but, you know, as... Sean Connery. <laughs> I, yeah, Sean, Con- Sean Connery, like Snapdragon and Exynos. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> but as many Android faithful are aware, Samsung kind of flipped the table a little bit on their Exynos line and basically tanked or kind of nuked the 2300 after reports of overheating in the Exynos 2200s and focused instead on the 2400s. And that meant that the S23 series was all Snapdragon dragon all the time and i think somehow i think we kind of wondered out loud whether this might be a perma thing whether they're just going to go ahead and ride on snapdragon's recent successes but guess what no unsurprisingly they were working at 2400 and for the s24 series it it wasn't a proper announcement but it was more just the qualcomm ceo cristiano aman saying yes we expect to have the majority share of the s20 24 processors which again implies that they don't got got it all. Which implies that Samsung will in fact be coming back with the Exynos 2400, which has a lot of AI in it. There's your drink, and it will depending on what market you're in and actually what model of S24 you're buying. At least as rumors go, for now you'll be getting either your Exynos or your Snapdragon 8 Gen 3. So so far the rumors are S24 and S24 Plus will have the Exynos uh, outside of North America. All of North America will have the Snapdragon 8 Gen 3, and the S24 Ultra will indeed be all Snapdragon all the time. So we'll have to see how that all shakes out for Exynos, but there you go. 
I, I actually couldn't stop doing it. Started <laughs> it started happening. You're on a roll. It just, it just wouldn't stop. Yeah. Oh, there we go. That was, yeah. that's freaking amazing. Well, <laughs> Mir- oh. Mir- Mich- uh, go after you, Michelle. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I was going to say, Mir and Michelle, how much, how much does this matter to the average user? What's inside? It doesn't, but it does because this Exynos gets hot and has crappy 5G reception. So, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't. Look, the, I don't know. I think here's the thing. I think it's a yield thing. And maybe Michelle can, can confirm this. Four nanometer, right? Uh, or is it three? Where are we at with the uh, Snapdragon? It's there. I think there are four. four. That's four. Okay. So yeah. maybe not a yield issue. But I'm thinking if... You know, TSMC is making all these chips for everyone, and they're also busy making chips for Apple, right? Um, the uh, the three nanometer chips, the M3 and stuff. Like their foundries are like cranked up to eleven, and so maybe, maybe you know, Samsung's predicted that they're going to sell more of the S24 because you know they keep hoping that the flagships are going to sell, and we know that's not going to happen. But uh, and so they're like, okay, we need some exynosis. So how do we make this? Um, palatable and making it palatable means that some markets are uh, aside from the ultra are getting are getting the exynos and i can see that but it's going to be a disappointment for those of you who have it i'm sorry to tell you yep. if it was diamond c9300 i'd be fine all right well that's a good this is a good segue into Excellent the media segue. thing yeah right? Yeah, I hope y'all aren't actually doing uh, drink every time someone says AI, because uh, if you are, oh, yeah. then you're going to be drinking a lot. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. So MediaTek announced the Dimensity 9300 um, earlier today, or was it yesterday? My time is a blur right now. And uh, while they did talk a lot about generative AI, just like Qualcomm did with Snapdragon 8.3, the most surprising thing is actually with the new CPU setup in this chipset. So the Dimensity 9300 has a 4 plus 4 CPU setup, so they have... Uh, four Cortex X4 cores and four Cortex A720 cores. And this is a bit unusual because there aren't any of those usual lower performance power efficient Cortex A500 series cores. And for reference, the Dimensity 9200, which is a previous generation chipset, had four A510 cores. And this generation, Snapdragon 8 Gen 3, has two five A20 cores. So does this mean that the new Dimensity 9300 will suck up more power and just be less power efficient in general? Not necessarily, and it's and it's true that the ninety the A five hundred series cores do u- use less power at their lower frequencies, but they actually consume more power when they're running at their highest frequencies versus the A seven twenty cores when those are running at their lower frequencies. And given that the seven hundred series cores tend to perform better overall, it's actually more beneficial to offload less demanding tasks to those cores, have them be completed more quickly compared to if they were offloaded to the a500 series cores and then have the a700 series cores race to idle so in general like in cpu and power and power consumption the faster you can quickly complete your task and have the cpu cores enter an idle state and spend more time in that idle state the more power you can save so that's basically the philosophy behind why you have these four uh these all these this all big cores set up as for why, we haven't really seen this done before with um, you know, other Android flagship chipsets. It's mostly just because of a combination of factors that make it more viable now. Like ARM CPU designs, they've been um, steadily improving the performance per watt of their 700 CPU designs. And then the, there's also improved fabrication nodes with the TSMC now having uh, their thread generation 4 nanometer chips. Um, and yeah, so that's 
the most surprising thing about this uh, chipset is a CPU. And there's also, of course, as I mentioned, generative AI improvements. Uh, the Dimensity 9300 is an upgraded APU um, that's 45% reduced reduction in power consumption. Um, they can run 7 billion parameter large language model at 20 tokens per second, which is fast enough for real-time use. And MediaTek even said something surprising. If you pair this chip with 24 gigabytes of RAM, which actually exists in some smartphones, you could run a 33 billion parameter um, large language model at a slower three to four token per second rate. Then there's also other improvements like the GPU upgraded with a 12 core Immortalis G720. This actually runs at up to a staggering 1300 megahertz. Then there's also, you know, the year on year performance improvements and power consumption reduction. Then there's also other stuff like ultra HDR image capture, um, support for ARM's memory tagging extension, dedicated OIS sensor core, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And uh, this chipset, because it's a MediaTek chipset, we probably won't see it in any devices that are shipping in the U.S., any flagship devices anytime soon. We'll probably see devices launching in China, followed by a global launch in Europe sometime throughout 2024. Yeah, I've got a phone here with 24 gigs of RAM. It is the Realme GT5. And it is uh, China only right now. 240 watt charging. It's the successor to GT3. They launched at MWC. But... It's got 24 gigs of RAM and one terabyte of storage. Like, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, going back to what you were saying, I think it's interesting that they've like basically get big, big design instead of a big, little design. And, you know, this the best analogy I can make for listeners that are maybe not as tech savvy as, as, as Michelle is that we, you know, when, when 5G was, we were told it was going to be more efficient. If you're on IoT user like if you are a farmer that has a sensor out in the field that's connected to a 5g to gather temperature or humidity or you know wind speed or whatever um it's not a lot of data right you like 5g seems like overkill why not use 3g or 4g i mean obviously those networks are disappearing but but say you have a 4g radio in there like wouldn't that be enough well it turns out that 5g you kind of pull up your data because you don't necessarily need that data in real time. And then you send it out in bursts really fast uh, because it's 5G. And the efficiency on that sensor out in the field is in, in, like infinitely better. So you get better, essentially, battery life or if it's solar power, you know, less use of energy for that, for that sensor out there. And I think this is the equivalent type of thing. You know, and if you want to get more nerdy, you can call this basically pulse mod pulse with modulating the, the big cores, right? You're just sending bursts um, of, of tasks instead of like a continuous steady flow of efficiency core work, right? And I can see that being more efficient, especially because as Michelle said, we've gotten to a point where the big cores are actually very power efficient. So maybe this is a good approach. I think it's very interesting. And, you know, we discussed this before the podcast started. I think Apple's doing the same thing with M3, right? Or A17 Pro, maybe even Michelle. Uh, I don't think I don't I don't know if we know exactly what their efficiency but we're cores assuming, entail, right? but we know their M3 series is all big cores, and also right. Snapdragon X Elite all big cores. So yeah, yeah this is so definitely an approach that is not it's unusual in the Android space, in the Android like chipset space, but it's not unheard of. Right. Cool. We'll definitely keep an eye on it and see how it all develops. Right. So excellent. Um, all right, so we got one last story here in hardware. Um, but Michelle, I know you're, you're on the edge of your seat to talk about this one, eh? So uh, speaking of unusual things, um, Lenovo this week announced a collaboration with three fashion designers for a proof-of-concept Lenovo Tab Wear collection. 
So this collection features designs that find ways to incorporate Lenovo's tablets. And audio listeners, you really have to go on Android Authority's website and look at this article because uh, we're trying to... I'm trying to keep a straight face now as I talk about this because the, the designs are just absurd. It's like a kangaroo pouch for your these, tablet. Like, these fashion design, these like, jackets and these clothes to where you can put a giant tablet in it. And I'm just reading this, and I'm like, this is an argument for why we need book-style foldables. Like, nobody wants to carry around a tablet and like, have pockets big enough to carry around a 10-inch tablet. Like, why and, just carry around a foldable as small as the, the OnePlus Open that can unfold into the tablet? I'm like, why does this exist? In Lenovo's, wear this? In Lenovo's defense, right, fashion <laughs> designers often push the limits, right? Like, the whole idea yeah. of this, or, or these experimental prototype, all this sort of stuff, they're not meant to be that practical, right? So you've got, you've got three fashion groups, um, one based in London, which did a uh, a, a normal looking kind of jacket hoodie thing with a big slot to put the tablet in front as well as like these straps that go around your neck that come down in front of you for you to to pull tablet out in front of you and be able to use it while attached to you whatever like a harness like your own like airline yeah. tray but attached to your neck exactly. it's really interesting <laughs> then there was a, I think then there was a Hong Kong based designer that that as Android Authority explained here went the cyberpunk route which probably explains to you what it looks it looks like like out of anime right like kind of like these yeah. these weird kind of you know like kind of outfits that they would just you know that they would slide the tablet into um, but the one that that has gotten the most length of here of course is from an Amsterdam-based designer um, that created uh, this pink jacket that also it has a pouch for the tablet, but also can inflate and turn into a hammock. So I was going to say, it looks like a deflated airbag. It literally is a deflated airbag because it can inflate and turn into a hammock that you can then use your tablet while laying on. It's very, very funny. Um, Lenovo has a whole website called LenovoTabware.com where you can go look at these in more detail um, and check them all out. And it's, you know, they're trying something and they're trying to give legitimacy to tablets, which, hey, I love tablets. You know, I love foldables, but I also love tablets. It's I like seeing something new in the space, I guess. Right. Like, so. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll making. Go yeah. ahead, Michelle, go ahead. please. I just I'm just saying I think we'd be making fun of this less if they came out with this like years before book style foldables and rollable concepts like yep. entered the main enter the, the tech mainstream. Yeah. I mean that that uh, the one the the Dutch one from uh, the, the yeah. Amsterdam yeah uh, it's not just inflatable it has this kind of quilted bubble wrapness about it which by the way makes means that you won't have to use a case or any protectors on your tablet so hey like it, that might actually be the solution for people for people like Ron yep. that you know don't want to muddy the beautiful industrial design of his phone with a case. You just have to put the protection on your clothing, Ron, yeah. and then you're good when you go out running. I, it looks really uh, quite comfy, actually. I love the description. Yeah. The description is a transforming all-season hammock to create your to create your <laughs> to create your me time cocoon anywhere. Di- oh, di- goodness. disguised in an inflatable poncho. It looks like a chamois or whatever yeah. what that thing was. I mean, it, it definitely very absorbent. It definitely is. It's borderline SNL sketch, right? It's. De- I just feel like we're not cool enough for this, yeah. guys. If you're right? in the chat right now and you're cool enough, please let us know. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> the inflatable, the inflatable uh, uh, poncho to hammock is something I never thought I'd ever see. So, me time cocoon is just this just it's sums it all up. It's excellent. So that's a good one. <laughs> wow. So. It, 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 
<laughs> is that the future of tabletware? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? All right. Uh, well, we got a little more practical stuff to talk about in the world of apps, right? Right, when? Yeah, uh, and so we talked about this a little bit, but messages for web is starting to roll out that new QR codeless pairing of your web and sometimes tablet devices to your messages on your Android phone. I actually tried this this afternoon and yeah, it's still technically in beta. So if you're like me, I actually sign out of my messages pair- unpairing. I'm willing to unpair for the Android faithful. That's, that's like the oh. amount of like love I have for y'all that I'll unpair. <laughs> um, so basically what happened is when I unpaired, I went to the web. You can still see the old QR code, but there is now a banner underneath that says, hey, uh, beta, you can sign in without a QR code. And it basically takes you to another screen where you confirm, you know, logging in with your Google account. And basically, once you do that and you open up go- the Google Messages app on your phone, it kind of automatically just communicates. And then it shows you three emojis in a bottom sheet uh, coming up on your Android device that you are, you need to basically tap the matching emoji from your, you know, to be paired browser window uh, on your phone and it's that it was easy peasy lemon squeezy it's like it's like longer to say it than it was to do it basically log in with your google account tap the matching emojis and go off into the sunset with your google messages pairing on the web and tablets i always knew that emojis would come in handy for authentication saving the world and and people's security so yeah clever uses of emoji um miriam i'm curious what uh sms app do you or messaging app do you use are you using messages google i use google messages yeah yeah. i even install one on these chinese phones that i get like this uh talking of dimensi 9200 this is the Mm -hmm. xiaomi 13t pro it's a leica branded it's like an affordable flagship it's like the 10t or the 11 well there's no we we talked about it on yeah yeah, you know the one anyway i'm i'm you know, it's completely like it came out early October and then they launched a Xiaomi 14 like late October. <laughs> what gives Xiaomi? I haven't had time to review this yet. <laughs> anyway, oh. yeah, I have it on there and I put it on my phone messages. I, I don't know. I just like it. I just like because it, it works on the web. I like it because it, you know, supports RCS flawlessly. I like it because it's just it just it's just great. Yeah. It's just nice. It's funny how, you know, geez, five years ago, like SMS apps was like a legitimate like uh, you know, extra like all this sort yeah. of stuff, and I've just been on messages, and it's just been it's doing it's doing the job. It's yeah. So. I have a request if anybody from Google is listening. Is there any way we could kind of like pin and lock which account you're uh, using as your default? Because you know, it's often it's actually a general thing in Android. I've got three accounts going, and like you know, you sometimes accidentally swipe down and you change accounts. Like in Google Maps, you change accounts, all of a sudden you realize your entire search history is gone yep. because well, it, it hasn't followed you to other to your main account or whatever you want. Wanted to use right so i'd love to pin like gmail is one that i don't want to pin because i check email on multiple accounts but for things like maps or things like messages wouldn't it be great to kind of say because this is the priority account until unless i jump through a bunch of hoops to change it do not let me change it yep. if we're making requests google can you bring back the message the organization feature yes Thank oh, you. Oh, my yeah. God. I don't know why they got rid of that. I'm waiting for the next chapter of that story Ooh. because it, 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 hopefully it's worthwhile or something. But this is a great segue to the next story, actually, Michelle, right? So, Yeah. So um, for those <laughs> of you who use Google for maintaining a shopping list, you may have known that there's been multiple ways over the years to do it. Um, there's Google Keep. There's also the Google Assistant Notes. And there's also the Google Shopping List. And uh, the the last two one, the assistant notes and shopping list are being phased away in favor of Google Keep, which is kind of like going full circle because, you know, they launched assistant notes and shopping list 
Then they also announced like third-party integrations for shopping list creation through Assistant. Then they got rid of the third-party Assistant creation, and now we're back on Google Keep for everything, which kind of makes sense. This is, I, I think, how it should have been done from the get-go. Instead of having this built-in shopping list web interface you access through Google Assistant, and then you can only really interact with through voice, and then like the, the way to actually access shopping list, the shopping list um, item within the Google app was like a convoluted tap of steps, like multiple taps to get to it. And so like, I think this should have been done a long time ago, just having Google Keep handle all your notes and lists because that's literally what it's designed for. It's an app for your lists. Yeah. And it's also Google, what goes around comes around, right? Like, you know, like, like <laughs> time is a flat circle. How often do we see that? Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. And at least this case, a shopping list is such a simple thing. S- that, like, simple function. It's yep. so simple. It's such a simple yep. function, right? Yep. But the transfer migration process is basically seamless. And like, you'll get a notification on your phone telling you um, that you should migrate from this one, um, from your old system to the new Google Keep system. So yep. hopefully, you know, this, this shouldn't upset many people because. I mean, it's just a shopping list, right? Yeah. Like, how much? How? What kind of complex things are you doing with the shopping list? Well, if you watch somebody have an edge use case, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what users users come up with. That's for sure. Um, oh boy! All right. Well, we got. I use Google Keep, and I love it. Google, uh, you yeah. know, and and the only challenge is my spouse and I share some some notes, and they don't want to use the Keep interface. They don't want to go to keep.google.com so they use it in the calendar next to or email next to their like as a sidebar and they don't get all the functionality so we're always fighting i'm like come on just use the keep website or use the keep app on your phone and they're like no i don't want to Ah, this is nicely integrated in my email or whatever calendar it's just so funny because google has so many ways of doing the same things right and that's exactly what we're talking about And, and they're just slowly trying to find the right path and then in a couple of years, bring it back to the one that they changed from and then bring it back. Or it's just, it's a carousel. That's all it is. Oh, I'm, I'm waiting for tasks now to pick up some kind of shopping list or to-do list functionality. And actually the other day, I swear, either I was drunk or sleep apping, sleep app, app, app using, smartphone using. I swear the tasks widget just appeared on a home screen on my phone and I never, oh, weird. never used it before. So anyway, I think that's maybe like, maybe that's how they're going to just start. Maybe, it was always there. Like, you never noticed it. It was always there. Yeah. They're, they're, or there's a turf war internally and they're just trying to figure out who's going to win the get shit done war at Google keep or tasks. Yeah. I don't but know. You know. It's like reminders, right? You can set reminders when you talk oh, to the yeah. assistant and then they don't appear anywhere. Well, I mean, they do, I think, in maybe somewhere, but they don't appear where I want them to appear, which is my calendar. Right. Like if I want to set a reminder, give me give me a calendar entry for it. Yeah. Make it a special color so I know it's a reminder or something. Like that's what I need. <laughs> Not like some hypothetical thing where I don't get a notification <laughs> and I forget the reminder. <laughs> it, seems, it's, it seems it's simple. There's a good, good mention in the chat from JJ that is Google turning into Microsoft? Because it sure seems like it. Right? <laughs> um, so, all right. Well, one last story, which I thought was really interesting. We don't talk about VR that often, um, but this is a nice kind of cross-section. Um, there was a AMA with the Meta CTO recently, um, and the question of the Google Play Store on the Quest came up. Um, and basically what the Meta CTO said, I'll say you know verbatim from the, uh, the Instagram AMA that happened, Andrew Bosworth, the, the CTO, he said, there's nothing preventing Android developers who have an APK that's running on Android phones today to bring them to VR. They just have to ship the APK to us. Uh, they may have to do some light modification depending on how they want the control screen to work, but maybe not even necessarily much of that. He said, we don't have any way of automatically ingesting those. We would love for Google to bring their Play Store of apps to VR. We've asked them. They don't want to do it. So it's up to developers to do that. 
So what you've got here is you've got Meta asking Google to bring the Play Store to the Quest environment and open up Android apps to users who are using Quest and VR, and Google doesn't want to. So if any Android developers are out there want to be in Quest VR, they have to bring the APK directly to them. I just thought that was interesting that for, you know, like, what does Google got to lose by not doing that? I guess, you know, like, especially after they gave up on Daydream and all that sort of stuff. I don't know. It just seems kind of, kind of, kind of silly. Um, well, I mean, we don't know whether or not um, Meta like agreed or disagreed to the other terms that Google might have had. Yeah. For you know, if you if you want Google Play, you got to agree to these terms. You got to pay us this fee. You got to ship all these other apps. And you know, we do know like Google did announce they're working with Samsung on an XR OS, and presumably that will have access to Google Play. Yeah. So um, you know, we don't know exactly what was what was happened like said behind the scenes true, true. Meta yeah. and Google. I, I did think it was interesting coming out of AMA looking into it that Quest does support PWAs. Um, you know, progressive uh, progressive web apps, and so um, that's interesting to see how that's kind of evolving. I also don't know anybody who has a Quest. I don't know anybody who's using it, who's asking for this stuff. I'm sure they're out there, but oh, yeah. So. Actually, uh, if you the Quest Three has been like blowing people's minds with yeah. how how good its pass through is, and like actually the the, the resolution of the the full color pass through, yep. and like I see a lot of like really mind blowing clips from people on on Twitter, formerly X. Oh, sorry, the other way around. X, formerly Twitter. <laughs> uh, too funny. All right. Uh, about the Quest 3, and I'm really impressed by what they've done with it. Cool. All right, maybe I'll have to check that out. So if you're using the Quest, email us in. You can email us at uh, contact at androidfaithful.com. Let us know uh, what your experience has been. So. All right, that's going to wrap it up for apps. Uh, we're almost done with the show. we got a couple of emails, though, that we wanted to get to. And when you've got the first one. Yeah, and the first one is from Jeff. Hey, Android Faithful crew. I'm loving your show. I started listening to the old show back in 2012. I'm so glad you've created this new show for those of us that still want to keep up with the latest in Android. The show is as good as it's ever been and with even more enthusiasm. Even more. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> That's awesome. There's some enthusiasm for you. Uh, very, very sincere. Uh, when it comes to Android hardware, I'm probably in the minority in that I buy my phones outright and I buy my service from one of those MVNOs. I won't pay more than $500 for a phone, and even that is kind of steep for me. I know for high-end phones, it's the year of the foldable slash flippable, but how's the mid-range market shaping up? Is it growing or shrinking? What kind of choices do I have? What features are finally making their way into this range? What should I be looking out for in the coming year? I know you do discuss mid-range hardware as it's released, but I would love to hear any insights you might have uh, about the segment as a whole and where it's heading. Thank you so much. And a shout out to who into it now. Go Terps. Go Terps. Uh, and that's from Jeff, presumably a fellow Terp. Thanks, Jeff. So I thought this question was great because Miriam, you're here and we were talking about mid-range earlier. So if you were going to recommend a mid-range phone to Jeff, I mean, what, what would your choice if you're be? You're in North America, Jeff. There's no, it's a no-brainer. Pixel Seven A all that all day. I mean, you know, it's like affordable and it's got. It's essentially a flagship. If you look at the specs, it is a flagship. It's just missing a telephoto, but then the Pixel Eight doesn't have a telephoto either. So you know, um, now it could be argued, you know, the Pixel stretch your budget get a Pixel Eight, but look. I have a, a soft spot for the 7A because the 7A is just so much more affordable. And I mean, if you want to be contrary, which I support 100%, buy this, which is the Moto Edge 2023. I was going to ask you about uh, Moto, is, what your thought are on that I one. I just got this yeah. in. I haven't set it up yet. It's, uh, look, I, I think Moto, because it's a beautiful phone, so, you know, leather, vegan leather, 
metal frame, you know, curved glass, which is not my favorite, but some people love it because it's narrow in hand. It's a small phone, 6.6 inches relatively. Um, the only thing that's iffy on this is MediaTek 7030, which is a very much a mid-range chip. But, and the camera, of course, imaging uh, is not Moto's forte. But honestly, this phone, for the money, it's $599 on sale for $499. Mm-hmm. That's like, it's got wireless charging. Like, it has, it, like, everything. So, I think these are your candidates. Maybe OnePlus Nord N30 or 20. The previous one, the 20, I think, is better value. Because it's slightly cheaper and you get an OLED display. It's only 60 hertz, but you still get an OLED. Um but that's kind of bringing you down more to the mid-range and not the kind of affordable flagship, which I think where these two phones are sitting. So I don't know. This is a North American view. I also have the Pocos and the Redmi's and the Realme's and the, you know, all the other ones here in my drawers. I could go dig one out and tell you what I think. But, <laughs> well, uh, Miriam, but, I, wanted to, I want to get your take on a, mid, on a mid-range phone that I see a lot of blogs, stuff like that, are suggesting. Also, uh, Nothing Phone 2. Would you suggest that? Well, yeah, I mean, but it's a little, it's more it's pr- a little it's pricey. It's a little pricey. It's more like OnePlus 11. Yeah. It's a little like Pixel 8. This is a side news. Yeah. 500 is his budget. I'm like, I'm going to respect that, right? Like, yep. we can all stretch a bit, but but I think, you know, Pixel 7 is what? 499 all day long, more yep. or less, yep. and sometimes on sale, or soon to sometimes be on sale because, you know, Google. And this thing is currently on sale for 499. So, uh, even though it's less 599. So, I think, you know, Look, there is always, again, if you want to save a bit of money, get that Nord N20 from two, a year ago. It's actually a really solid phone. Yeah. You know, um, but it's not good. It doesn't have wireless charge. It doesn't have metal construction. You know, it's like a step down. Right. So, you know. Oh, OnePlus and wireless charging. They, they, they oh, keep, boy. They keep... <laughs> All right, cool. Well, Jeff, hopefully there's a suggestion for you. Email us back in. Let us know where, what, what you net out on or what you what, what you choose if you're going to get a new mid-range phone. Um and our last email is a little interactive. So, Win, Michelle, Miriam, I want I want everybody to get their <laughs> okay. phone, get your phones out, and open up Chrome, and then I'll read the email. Okay. Then you know what we're going to do from there. Um, right. So, That's Brandon writes in and says, "Real quick, I heard the guy last episode who said he had thirty three Chrome tabs open at any given time. I have seventy five to one hundred tabs open. It's wild. I may not have a Pixel. I may not have a Pixel three, but I have a seven. I'm constantly having my phone freak out, and that's when I know I need to close tabs. I wonder if anyone has more." So let's start with Win. How many tabs do you have open currently in Chrome? I only have twenty three. I actually am a good. I I do good tab housekeeping these days. Tab hygiene, and I actually just cleared out. Well, I actually just cleared out yesterday, so I've already back up to twenty three. I don't know what's so. the what the right answer is—a high number or a low number. But Miriam, Miriam, how many tabs do you have open currently? Uh, my Pixel, which is my main phone, two. Okay. Oh. My OnePlus Open 1. All right. So, no, I clean up. I'm compulsive at cleaning up. Okay. I, you know, I've always wanted to go for light and thin, especially on my laptops. And so I've learned to kind of like, I lived as my main travel computer with a MacBook 12 inch. You know, the one, oh, yeah, the Retina one, one yep. with the underpowered Intel chips in it. Yeah. I lived with that as my main travel computer for a long time. So I learned to like more Be than lean, five tabs. Right? Yeah, more, more than five tabs. You don't run more than three apps. <laughs> kind of thing and so this is kind of how i live my life on my phones i'm always close closing apps i'm always closing tabs i'm terrible <laughs> don't don't follow my example be cooler than me michelle how many what, what's your what's your count at i have five open right now on what? the OnePlus open um i do use i do clean up the tabs a lot like i use tab groups the built-in feature in chrome to create tab groups then also have an extension called one tab so like i create a tab group of things i'm researching then i use one tab to archive it 
So like whenever I want to go back and actually write something or post something on it, I just open that tab group back up. Oh, so look at you, power. I do have a lot of tabs. They're just not all open all the time. Power user, Michelle, you look mm-hmm. at that. Um, mm-hmm. I have 14 tabs open currently at the moment. So um, so do I win or do I lose? I don't know when. I don't know. I've, yeah. lo- I, I've, lo- I've lost the thread. I don't know what the, I don't know what the winner <laughs> is. But uh, um, well, email us. Let us know how many, uh, how many tabs you have open. Again, that's uh, contact at androidfaithful.com. Uh, and that's going to wrap up our show. Miriam, thank you so much for joining us. That's fantastic. Uh, so great to have you. Thank you, you for having me. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Well, so, ah, thanks for bringing up my link tree. This is a good one. Uh, so the podcast is my main thing, mobiletechpodcast.com. If you want to subscribe there, please do. Um, then there is, you know, a Patreon you can join as well right there. Uh, we get a video version of the podcast, which is a little earlier than the audio and has generally more content. Sometimes I have to cut stuff out to keep things in time. So check that out. If you want to support me, that's a great way to do this YouTube video channel, you know, YouTube, have you heard of that thing? Um, and it's got some videos in it, like hands-ons, unboxing, that kind of stuff. It's not very active but if you want to read me read me on hot hardware geek spin gear diary mostly hot hardware i do most of their major phone reviews and then uh you probably want to read me about car stuff and uh, i should probably update this but tech radar is really my main um i cover car tech and evs and a lot of his opinion pieces i do a kind of bi-weekly column there um i'm all about mobility not just with the phones and the personal tech but also with uh you know the vehicles out there so cool yeah that's it awesome and people just if they google google you google oh, yeah. tank girl and they'll find the it, handle right? that you see on the screen yeah. here tank girl is a tank girl drop all the vowels that's my twitter x uh threads insta um blue sky but i'm not a mastodon i know i've already been like panned for that today but yeah. uh you know bear with me one day i'll figure it out <laughs> <laughs> all right excellent thank you for joining us it was so great to have you on thanks for having me um all right michelle where can folks find you you can find me pretty much everywhere. I'm on Twitter, uh, X, Mastodon, Reddit, Threads, Discord, Lemmy. Lemmy? What's, Le- what's Lemmy? Oh, my husband's on oh, Lemmy. What? Lemmy? From, from Motorhead? At Michelle Ramon. <laughs> uh, same handle everywhere except for Threads where there's Michelle underscore Ramon. And if you want to support my work, I'm on Patreon at Michelle Ramon. Uh, you can join my members-only Discord where I talk a lot about what I'm working on, things that I found, and also some exclusive posts from time to time. Cool. Excellent. Well, thank you, Michelle, as always. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, Wynn, where can folks find you? You can find me. I'm an Android dev, and I generally talk about Android dev stuff. You can find any talks that I've done accompanying code and video on my website, randomlytyping.com. And in places, I'm at Queen Code Monkey, except for the Fediverse, where I am at Queen Code Monkey at Mastodon.social. And I also want to say for video viewers this week you get an extra special bonus because i think miriam and i i was kind of vibing on miriam's miriam this week with the color tone with my lipstick and miriam's glasses i think like we're but we're the vibing microphone has a blue led and it's i'm finding out that <gasps> because i never really do podcasts at night it's like lighting oh, up my yeah, it's, face it's uplighting it's, so yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, so it's, it's a vibe we're a vibe so the glasses the, match and i love yeah your lipstick and stuff yeah so we're, we're vibing this week so anyway as a, as a video the pink though and yeah. the blue i don't know no, it's, good. Know it's like contrast thinking. like accents just like <laughs> pop, pop it anyway um so if, if you're a video viewer you get this wonderful kind of like little visual 
extras, accoutrement you could go, that you get. You could find that. You can find the video on our website at androidfaithful.com or over on the Daily Tech News Show channel on YouTube. Uh, so that's where you can check it all out. So cool. And for me, I am Ron XO across all the various socials. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Mastodon, Blue Sky, blah, blah, blah. I'm not very active. Um, I need to be more active. Maybe I will be soon. We'll see. But um, I am most active on uh, Instagram. And actually, I took uh, I went the other night to see a band called Quicksand, and I took my Pixel 8 Pro, and there's a photo. I was uh, This is zoomed in probably at like 6X or so, um, but also took some really, really good quality video from being far away i was very happy with the uh with the with the pixel uh 8 pro in a concert environment um i thought it did a good job uh, to get my stuff up on instagram stories so you can find that at ronxo you can see that there it was a fun fun night out in new york city so um good times uh, that's going to wrap us up for the show. Um, as the aforementioned AndroidFaithful.com, that is where you can find all of our links to g- subscribe to the show, or you can see our most uh, recent episode. You can watch the video. It's all there. There's also a link to contact us where you can email us. There's a link to our Patreon. Everything you need there. Um, it's all. It's your one-stop shop for all things Android Faithful. Um, and, of course, we want to thank everybody for watching, listening, supporting, just being awesome. Uh, we are here every Tuesday night. We're live on YouTube and on Twitch. And then we release the podcast Tuesday evenings after that. Um, and we'll be here next week because we are the Android faithful. <laughs>